the past week in silence, but that was one of the most beautiful psalms I've heard chanted here in some time. Um, when I was singing, whenever I'd have to sing the Alleluia or something with just the one hermit nun in front of me, there's always a lot of wailing and grinding of teeth when I'd see her face. I was like, sorry, sister, you have to put up with this. But So the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field which a person finds and hides again and out of joy, goes out and sells everything that he owns in order to possess that one treasure. I think this is a logic that can only be understood in the context of love. In the 1500s, there lived a young man. His name was Gonzalo. And he was the son of a very rich merchant. And so he'd, uh, for his father's business, he'd go out and he'd travel to all the distant lands around Spain to sell his father's merchandise. And one point, he was traveling in a distant land, and it was a Sunday, so he went to Mass, because you still go to Mass when you're traveling. And when he was inside there, he was praying. All of a sudden, he saw a woman in the corner. She was the most beautiful woman that he'd ever seen. It's like time stopped. He stopped listening to what the priest was saying, which wasn't a good thing. You know, he just became totally enraptured in her. And at that moment, he said he received an internal illumination that this was the woman he was called to marry. He knew it instantly. And so after the Mass was over, maybe they had some sort of coffee and donuts even back then or something like that, but he found her. He found out her name was Catalina. And they got to know each other. And very soon they fell in love. And he promised her that he would return and he'd come back with a ring to marry her. But there was a problem because she was an orphan. She was from like the lowest class of society. And back then it was a really, um, it was very shunned upon for someone from high class to marry so far down. So when he went back to his father to tell him his plans to marry Catalina, his father said it was absolutely forbidden that he would bring disgrace upon the family title as the only son if he were to marry her. But Gonzalo persisted. At one point his father said to him, if you go forward with this and you try to marry this woman, you will lose everything. You'll lose your entire inheritance. You'll lose the property here. You won't be able to live on our farm. You'll lose everything you've gained. You can leave here with the clothes on your back and that's it. We had a very important choice to make. Knowing full well the consequences of his actions, the young man walked off the property with not even a mule to carry his possessions that he had. And he returned some weeks later to Catalina, married her, and they were very poor, um, but they were content, very much in love, and they had two children together. And because he had no other training in any other work, the best he could do was work odd jobs all over the streets, anything he could find to make enough money to keep them out of the streets and with enough food to eat. But he ended up working himself so hard over seven years, um, just with any job he could find, that he actually ended up getting ill during one of the winters because his body became so frail and he died within seven years. That, that woman, Catalina, spent the rest of her life raising the children by herself, and she'd tell the two sons that they had over and over again the story of their father, of the sacrifice that he made, of everything he gave up because he loved her so much, and that without his sacrifice, 
they could have never been together. And without everything he did, they wouldn't even be born. And the second son of Catalina grew up to be one of the greatest saints in the history of the Catholic Church, St. John of the Cross. And St. John of the Cross, his, his entire spiritual opera is a manifesto to God's self-emptying love. That God is the one who divests himself of everything he has in order to come to us, to gain him, us for himself. And that our job, our principal work in our life, is to fall so in love with him that we detach ourselves from absolutely everything in order to be in that relationship. And what's so interesting is that everyone who reads St. John of the Cross is usually very intimidated because all he talks about is these different things that you have to let go of. You have to be completely poor in order to be with God. And they say it makes no sense. It's so absurd. Well, it's because they're looking at it from the outside. They don't have the experience of the very intimate relationship with Christ that produces those effects. So love carries within it a logic of total self-emptying, of total self-gift that can only be comprehended by those within the relationship. To those outside the experience, the actions of a person in love usually seem pretty illogical and absurd. Like, so you think about if someone would have gone to that young man Gonzalo, and told him, leave your land, be disowned by your father, lose your job, go to a distant land, and you'll find a very beautiful woman there, and you'll get seven wonderful years with her before you die. Good luck. What would he say? It's like, I think I'll take my chances at my local church. There's plenty of women around here too. Because you couldn't logically move him into the sacrifice that he made. He had to have the experience of her first. And that experience of her led him to totally self-emptying in order that they could be together. And that's how love works. First, the experience of falling in love, then the logic of losing everything that I have to in order to be with the other. Same thing with mothers. I once had a, before I was gonna do a wedding, I had a young woman come to me and she was afraid have children. You know, she'd done a lot throughout her life to maintain a good body, eat and right exercise and all that, and she didn't know how she'd feel about having a child. And I was like, I don't really know what the big deal is. It looks easy enough to me, but like, actually, I was like, I'm, I'm definitely the wrong guy to ask about this, you know. Go to your mother. Um, but I said, wait until the moment that you first feel that child in your womb that you first feel that heartbeat, that you first feel those legs kicking. Wait until you hold your baby in your arms for the first time. And I promise you, all of your fears will go away. You will be willing to sacrifice yourself, your body, your time, everything you are a thousand times over because you will have experienced the beauty of your own baby. So love begins with an experience that carries within it total self-dedication for the object of our love. But the experience must come first. Finding the hidden treasure hidden in the field had to come first before the guy could take the steps to divest himself of everything else. And that's the essence of Christianity. The essence of Christianity is an experience of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who, who became man, 
suffered and died and rose to save my soul and bring me back to heaven. Everything begins with that experience. And everything that we teach apart from that, our morality of how you live out that relationship and the dogmas, what that means, the system of beliefs, it all flows from that original encounter. And that's why we do ourselves such a disservice when we talk about what it means to be a good Catholic, what it means to be a a Christian living in the right lifestyle, if you haven't yet had the experience of Jesus Christ. We're we're going about it backwards. And so the same thing with vocations. As a vocation director, you have to go around and talk to young people, inspire them to become nuns and priests. Very difficult thing to ask somebody to leave everything they ever wanted in life with family and children and everything in order to dedicate themselves completely to Christ. Actually, it's impossible. And the people that I could just talk into it logically are probably not the people that we want for our priests or our nuns. It's something that has to come from a very profound experience of the living person of Christ that is so deep that they say, I'm willing to lose everything in my life all of my dreams, all of my hopes, everything I thought my life would be so that I could have this relationship. I mean, that's the norm. For me, it was a little different. People ask me why I became a priest. Truth is, couldn't get a date for prom. So I thought I'd save face and say I was going to be a priest. It was either that or ask my mother to go with me, and I didn't know if she'd say yes. So, And I still remember I was in college, and I was living with one of my best friends. He wasn't Catholic or anything. And uh, he just heard that my girlfriend and I had just broken up, where I was going to marry before, and that I was soon to enter into seminary. And I'll never forget, I walked into the apartment. For some reason, Bon Jovi was playing in the background, which wasn't a normal thing anyway. But I walked in, and you know, the song, Shot Through the Heart, and You're Too Blame, You Give Love a Bad Name. I'm not going to sing it for you. I've already done that before, and I regretted it. And uh, he looked at me at that moment and he said, you know, it's really interesting that you walk in here right now because this is your song. This is a song of your life. It's like, if I had a rubber hose at that moment, he would have got it. But to him, I became a disgrace to love because I forsook marriage and everything else for the vocation. I gave love a bad name. And there's no other way that he could have seen that. Why? Because he's completely outside the experience. He doesn't know who Jesus Christ is. What it is to experience God's total gift of himself to us. And when you're outside of that experience, everything that we do as Catholics seems nonsensical. And that's why Catholicism can only really be comprehended from within. Because it's a logic of love. The incarnation of God in the flesh is a logic that only love can comprehend. The passion and death of Jesus Christ on a cross is a logic that only love can comprehend. The fact that God would give himself to us in the form of bread and wine to become his body, blood, soul, and divinity so that we could consume the body of God into our flesh is a logic that only love can comprehend. And how many people did Jesus lose in his public ministry when he preached the Eucharist? 
Because the Eucharist isn't something that can be just logically comprehended to and worked work through that way. This is a very hard saying. Who can accept it? And he said the majority of his disciples in that time, height of his fame, the majority of his disciples walked away and returned to their former way of life. And what was Christ's response? He looked at his apostles and said, do you also want to leave me? Are you going to walk away because you don't understand what I'm talking about? And Peter's response, to whom shall we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. Peter knew Jesus Christ. He experienced him. So even though he didn't understand what he was talking about at times, even though it couldn't make logical sense to him, he couldn't explain what he was going to do, he said, I've experienced you as the Son of God. I know you. Therefore, I, I leave everything behind and I follow you. If you say it's true, I believe it. And that is a logic that is built on a relationship of love. And when it comes to Jesus Christ, that's the only relationship that endures. Because God is love. Therefore, everything that God does in his relationships with the world, his relationships with us, is always a logic of love. And if you're not in that relationship, you're not going to understand it. You have to receive it in order to believe it. That's why the question for all of us, have you experienced for yourself the love of Jesus Christ, the presence of Christ in such a way that you said, I know that you are the Son of God. I believe in you. There are not hundreds of ways to God. There is not every religion is the same and, or man can find his own way to God. Jesus Christ, you are it. Why? Because I've experienced you. I've experienced your suffering and death on the cross to save my soul from that place of grinding of teeth and gnashing. You saved me from my sin. I've experienced in the confession, even if I can't explain everything about why we believe what we do on morality and why we go to confession, I've experienced your mercy in that confessional in such a way that you saved me from myself. I believe it. And I've experienced your body in the Holy Eucharist. I've gazed upon you here. I've received you into my body, into myself in a way that I know that you are God in the flesh. Come to me. Because if you haven't had that experience, nobody can teach it to you. You can't teach someone to fall in love. No more than you can explain food to somebody or try to tell a blind man what color looks like. You got to experience it first. And Jesus Christ and his gospel is a logic, it's a conviction, it's a faith that only the experience of love can teach us.